Hey everyone, welcome to Die Sports Behind the Pump. I'm Jason Stokowski. Matt Brakeef. And this week we got our special guest, uh, centerman from the Prince George Cougars, Brendan Boyle. Brendan, thanks for joining us on the podcast this week. Thank you for having me. What's up, Brendan? <laughs> How's it going? Pretty good, man. Good to have you. All right, so uh, I know uh, there's been a few stuff that's happened since the last time we did the podcast. Uh, I do want to say... Uh, express our condolences uh, to the snowboard uh, snowbirds and uh, Captain Jen Casey uh, and her family. Um, you know, it's an awful tragedy. Um, you know, personally, I'm a big supporter of our of our military and our and our troops, and uh, I just wanted to express our condolences out to the uh, snowbirds. All right, um, so moving on. Um, like I said, Brendan. Uh, Brendan's our guest this week. He's uh, uh, he spent some time in the Western Hockey League. Um, talking on the line, he's been uh, diabetic for five years. Um, I met Brendan last year. He was a uh, he was a, a guest instructor and ambassador out uh, at our our first camp with Western Pacific uh, in Victoria, and uh, uh, he met a few of our uh, a few of our student athletes, and uh, uh, they absolutely loved him. So he. Uh, I definitely wanted to get him on the podcast because uh, I know he's a great ambassador to uh, uh, type one diabetics and, and we'll get into, uh, he's got a great program up there in Prince George that we'll get into a little bit later. So um, I guess to start with first, Brendan, uh, um, uh, about just, we'll talk about how, how you were diagnosed and um, uh, what was kind of going on. How, how did you get, how did you find out you were type one? Uh, yeah. I mean, well, I was living in Calgary at the time and I was going to school and I was just exhausted every day. Like I had no energy whatsoever. I was trying to play hockey, play for some school teams and go to school. And I just had no energy to do anything. And uh, I was ended up getting sick. I got like a, a cold and then I, I couldn't shake it. I was sick for probably two and a half months. And then I ended up going to get my blood tests. And when they got the results, they told me that I had to head down to the hospital. And that was kind of how I found out. At the time, uh, how old were you? Uh, I would have been 14. So 19 now. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big change, eh? Yeah, I was definitely, I was kind of shocked when it happened. I didn't didn't really know how to react, but. So were you showing any of the classic symptoms of type one? Yeah, I was, uh, well, I had to go to the bathroom a lot, especially in my sleep. It would be like three, four times a night. Yeah. I mean, I was drinking a lot of water, but that's pretty typical for me, so. I wouldn't say that that was necessarily a symptom, but, and then I, uh, I ended up losing like 15 pounds before I got diagnosed. So when you're 14 years old and you're losing 15 pounds, it's right. Yeah. It's not good. So how did, uh, so how did that affect you? Like, uh, so you get diagnosed and obviously it's, it's, it's big on both your, on, on both your parents and, um yourself you know it's yeah it's how, how did you manage how did you deal with it after the diagnosis um i was shocked like 
I was kind of curious to know if it was something that I did or like if it just happens, but I wanted to know if I'd still be able to play hockey. That was my first question. And they obviously told me that if take, take precautions, but once you figure it out, you'll be good to go. And that just pretty much motivated me to, uh, make sure I learned how to do everything that I needed to do and stay, learn how to take care of myself with everything that I just learned and, uh, go from there. And we ended up, I had a hockey tournament in Chicago the next week. So they, they, uh, ended up breaking up the week of classes that you're usually supposed to take at the hospital down into four days so that I'd still be able to go. So went to Chicago about a week later. Oh, nice. There you go. Good response. Yeah, that was my next question. How long did it take you to get back on the ice? Well, there it is. A week? You say a week? Yeah, pretty much a week. Yeah, that's good. How how was your transition into playing with type 1 diabetes? What did you have to change? And were you... How did you communicate with your coach about your new diagnosis? And as a new person with diabetes, you're still trying to figure it out your, yourself too, right? Were you yeah. open about it? Were you closed off? Well, what was your approach that way? Um, I was pretty open about it off the start. I mean, obviously with my teammates, they were going to, I feel like they're going to find out anyways. And it was one of my, one of my best friend's birthdays on the day I got diagnosed. So I was actually supposed to be going to his house, but that got canceled. So he already knew he was on the team as well. So once that happened, but for the transition wise, I mean, obviously within that first week, your numbers are kind of running a little bit higher. I'd say just kind of working in, working in, getting used to giving yourself needles with everything that you eat and working on counting carbs and stuff. So it was uh it wasn't too bad. I mean, I wasn't going low in in the game, so it wasn't too much adjustment. I was kind of just check your sugars regularly and uh stay on top of it and my coach was really good with me about it, and so were my teammates so that's really good, yeah, it's great to have that support uh, yeah that's key and and like Jason and I talked about. Last weekend is why a really big reason for why we started Diasport. Jason started Diasport and I got along or tagged along and probably why you got wanted to get involved is to credit to create that atmosphere atmosphere for people to feel comfortable and to succeed and then to help along the couple kids that are actually are competing at an elite level like yourself and and it's a prime example be examples of succeeding it elite athletes at, or at an elite level as type one diabetic athletes. It's, it's good shit, man. It's really good. It's good work. Explicit. work. <laughs> we got the E tag. Yeah, there he goes. Bound to happen. It's bound to happen. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so, so we'll get into it. Um, um, so, you know, obviously you played this. So, um, your accomplishment now, you know, you believe you're, you've been playing in the Western Hockey League now uh, for, for a few years. Uh, what, what was it like? What, what, what your sense of accomplishment um, about making it to the Western Hockey League as a type? Uh, of I mean, growing up in 
Calgary for most of my life. Uh, you got the Max Midget Tournament there, and then you got the Hitmen. So you can get go to the Hitmen games pretty cheap. So the first goal I had in my mind was I always wanted to play in the Max Midget, and I was close in my last year of Midget, but we missed out on it by one point. And then the next goal is I wanted to play in the Western League. So to have accomplished that was pretty cool I mean it just kind of showed self you put your head down and work hard for something that you can go grab it so how did it feel to play that first game uh, I mean you got nerve rushing through it's the first first really time that you get a, your team gets announced and you guys actually get cheered when you head on the ice aside from parents so it's pretty cool to play in front of a crowd and it was just a lot of excitement and and nerves but after that first shift the nerves kind of went away and it was just a lot of a lot of fun yeah right i've been to some games and it looks like looks like fun man what's the <laughs> ground that you played in front of pardon me what's the biggest crowd you played in front of uh probably everett most of the states teams get pretty good turnouts every game i'd say everett I think there's one game towards the end of my first year at close to 10,000 people there. So there you go. I mean, that that's pretty Everett? cool. Even. Pardon me? That was in Everett? Yeah, it was in Everett. But even when they're booing you and chirping you the whole time, it's still pretty cool to play in front of that many people. Oh, yeah. Fires you up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I know. Well, just watching, uh, what do we got? We had 7,002, I think, is capacity. At Savon, and um, well, we get. I think the only only time we ever get that at capacity is the Victoria and Kelowna. So uh, they've built up. Oh, and Vancouver, I guess as well. Um, but Victoria and Kelowna in, in the playoffs is is, uh, is quite the crowd. Uh, so yeah, so so now you know, you know we've been obviously you've been going through. Uh, what have you been? Uh, what have you been up to since since the break? You know, obviously we got uh, – everything got pretty much shut down, Hockey Canada. Right. Uh, across oh, the board. And, sorry, and to add on that, how have you been uh, keeping in shape? What have you been up to? Uh, I'm lucky enough to have a pretty nice home gym set up in the garage, so I get to nice. do that. And uh, with the recent change where small groups are allowed, with like yeah. I think it's up to six people now. I've been able to go into a field in Kelowna to kind of do some cardio with my trainer. Good. So I've been doing that five days, five days a week. I've been working out just at home and then I get the one as well with my trainer and, uh, got the shooting pad outside. So I get to shoot some pucks. Yeah, I, we, just, uh, we just picked up, I uh, just got delivered the skatable tiles. Oh yeah, actually just I, delivered today. So uh, very nice. Yeah, we're gonna set that up later and and see if Curtis can still remember how to put on his pads. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, got the Mars blades as well. So go out rollerblading when it's nice out. And nice. Other than that, I've uh, been shooting hoops, a lot of video games. Probably probably too many video games, but. Relatable. <laughs> yeah. You got to do what you got to do, right? Yeah, man. 
How are your sugars been over this past little bit? I know for me at the very beginning when everything was locked down, I was running a little higher. And then now it's it's been good. But for the first initial month of quarantine, I've definitely been running higher. What have you been experiencing? Yeah, I would say that's pretty similar. I wouldn't I was probably only hot, higher sugars for about two weeks. So I took about two weeks off when I got home from the season just to kind of recoup and start feeling yeah back to a hundred percent. So heal up. I would I, yeah, for sure. And I would say for me personally, when I'm not doing as much athletically, I need more insulin. So my numbers were running a little bit higher. Mm-hmm. But ever since I switched over to the auto mode, I'd say I think it was a month ago, my sugars have been pretty much right on point. I think the A1C that I got on the computer test from the numbers that my pump's been taking is down to a 5.9 so wicked nice yeah that's really good really good so yeah so uh, talking about auto mode i know uh you know brody obviously you just switched over to the metatronic uh yeah i'm on the 670g now with the guardian sensor but uh, i'm not on auto mode yet i've only been on it for a month now so I'm still just logging all the info, balancing and find locking down the ratios and my basal rate and whatnot. And so far, things have been pretty good. Yeah. A lot better, man. Like just seeing, being able to see the trends and what rate your blood sugar is rising and dropping and just being alerted and then you can respond, right? It just takes yeah. so much guessing out of the game, right? It's just so, so helpful. Oh man, it's awesome. And I'm excited to go on auto mode too. And then it'll just be even better. Even yeah, better. it's definitely, it just adds another level with the being able to give you insulin if you're trending upwards or just right. cut you cut you off of insulin if you're at 7.3, but dropping rapidly. It's pretty cool. Right. And as an athlete, it's helped so much because you're not having to like you, how how long before a game or practice do you eat? Like three hours? Do you usually like to wait and have all your insulin burn off? Uh, I would say a typical game day for me is like I'll eat. I don't eat before morning skate, and then I'll have kind of like my uh, – I get a quesadilla from Mucho Burrito before every home game. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> But then after that, I probably eat about three o'clock, just pasta, pasta and spe- or uh, pasta and cheese, mm-hmm. and then we play around seven, so about four hour gap. But I'm still snacking in the room. We have like almonds and apples and stuff, so I'll be yeah. eating stuff like that. So I definitely have active insulin in my system right. while going out for warm up and stuff. I've been looking at your pump. You just get to see where, what direction you're going. Do I need to take insulin? Do I just need to stop my basal rate or do I need to eat more food? It's just yeah, so, so handy. So handy. For sure. Do you disconnect your pump before you, uh, before you go on the ice or do you keep it rolling? Um, well, I haven't, I haven't actually played with auto mode yet. So with auto mode, I would assume I'll just keep it on because I, uh, just have a little patch in my pants that I can Velcro it into. Okay. 
but before I would kind of base it on what my sugars were. So if I was 7.3 kind of thing, I would keep it on. But if I was anything below 5.8, I would take it off for the first period kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Kind of feel it out. So, yeah, I know. I know Curtis has been because uh, he switched to the tandem um, from the Omnipod. So him getting used to being attached and, uh, he, I know he's been disconnecting before games. Yeah. Nice times. Um, uh, I, and I know, I guess it's each, you know, each of their own, which way, which way you're going to go. If you want to disconnect or keep it going, I guess it all depends on what your sugars are and if you can get your, get in the room and be able to get the insulin if needed. Um, so a little bit to talk about, and of course we were talking about it, uh, uh, before we started recording, um, uh, the, uh, I guess you can call it the, uh, the scary stuff of diabetes. Uh, so you went through a pretty scary incident, uh, just after Christmas on a road trip. Uh, um, you, you want to take us through what, uh, what happened? Yeah. Um, well, it actually started the day before we had a practice in Regina. We had just played the Pats the day before, and we had a practice in the morning. I was feeling good. And then as practice went on, uh, for my lows, my symptoms are pretty much shaky hands and sweat a lot. Mm-hmm. So it can be really hard for me to tell when I'm playing if I'm low. So that's another bonus of having the sensor now. Yeah. yeah. But it was just like I just hit a wall at practice and I went into the room and I was just staring at the wall. So I had a pretty, pretty bad low that day. And then we bust down to Saskatoon and I ended up having pizza in my room right before I went to bed. And the next thing I woke up in the hospital. So kind of crazy, but I mean, obviously it's a bit extreme, but it can happen to anybody. So you just got to keep an eye on everything. Did you take too much insulin for the pizza you ate? Uh, what happened was my my insertion set. Yeah, had been like leaking a little bit. Like it wasn't it wasn't working. I guess oh. I, w- I probably caught it on taking my hockey equipment off. You went high. No. So before okay. before uh, like the days before, prior to my seizures. Yeah. Uh, my insertion kit was leaking, but it wasn't like a crazy amount. Like it, was, I wasn't noticing it. Yeah. And then right before I ate the pizza, I uh, changed my insertion set. So the ratio is actually working pretty good aside from that one bad low. Yeah. And then once I changed it and I was actually getting all the insulin that I thought I was get like I thought I was getting before, it just was too much for my system. Wow. So and just I woke up in the hospital. Yeah, well I that's what I remember. Like I was awake for quite a long time before, I guess, but I can't really recall too much of it. So that's interesting because you said that you were really low the day before and having wild symptoms. And then the next day this happened. Yeah. Wow. That's had a similar, similar story where I was, cause you were training hard at this point, right? You're in mid season. Yeah. 
right? So you're just burning, burning, burning. And this is before university training, training, training. I think I, it's just, I was taking too much insulin for what I was burning off. And one morning I woke up and paramedics were around my bed. Yeah. Like what the heck? Like, and then was okay. They didn't have to hook me up or give me glucagon, but had tablets and I came to, and then I went and I trained that day. And then the next following morning I woke up, but now this time with the, the fire truck or the firemen were there. And, but this time I was hooked up to an IV with glucagon. Yeah. The following day. And that's, that's wild. Cause it must've just like the lows accumulated and I probably didn't change my ratio and I was just burning, 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 burning. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you, you can definitely see it. And I know last year, Brandon, you left before the end of the week, but uh, you know, we saw it with everybody's blood sugars, like by the end of the week, uh, you know, that's one of the stories that I'd say is that by the end of the week, you know, I wasn't even bolusing for Curtis, um, you know, his meals, right. At the end of, at the end of the five days, it was whatever he was using, he was eating, he was burning. So, yeah. Um, you know, you definitely, if you're trying to keep your insulin and uh, your blood sugars tight, especially during training, then, it's definitely something to watch out for. Yeah, definitely, definitely makes it tough. Just how much being active can change how your body reacts to what you're eating. Because, like I was saying earlier, I come home and I don't do anything for two days, and the next thing you know, my sugars are like twelve, thirteen out of the blue, whereas they would have been five point four, five five yeah. kind of thing. Right, same amount of insulin, but. Yeah, it's it's always always changes, and the older you get, it's just. It, it, I was talking to a nurse, and apparently, the older you get, the less insulin you require. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. I don't know if that's for all cases, but she was saying that's usually what happens is you you require less insulin, which kind of with you would think the opposite. It was you would require more insulin. Yeah weird yeah uh so so up there so you've been playing with prince george now for for a couple of years and uh, you've got an initiative up there boilers battalion uh so uh, just want to know a little bit uh i know you got a special night uh, i think it was the end of january if I recall. yeah um, um yeah talk about a little bit about that yeah we have a boilers battalion going up there so I uh, try and get – this year it was only one game, but the year before I had a couple a couple kids before – a couple diabetic kids before every game – or uh, not every game, but like about twice a month I think it was. Right. Come down, I'm, I met them, I showed them the dressing room, just kind of little stuff like that, just talked to them. And then this year – we had them come out and we got a, a box. It was a bigger group of kids. Right. Uh, um, and then they got to watch the game from the box and I went up after and I just talked to them. But it's uh, it's cool meeting all the the little kids and basically yeah, in seeing like a younger version of yourself in the same yeah. situation where you were wondering what was going to happen. So, yeah, that's it. 
Uh, I think, you know, a great initiative, especially up there in northern BC, because I know, um, you know, you could be quite a few cities away from another diabetic. Um, you know, we, we had a, a, a participant last year from, uh, it was a hundred mile house. Yeah. Very few diabetics um, in the area. Right. So uh, definitely cool for something, uh, something in the area that everybody can come to and rally around um, in the more remote communities. Um, so, yeah, so, so you got, so you got uh, Boilers Battalion, um, and, uh, you know, of course we met, um, uh, uh, through JDRF, um, uh, so you're an ambassador as well, um, uh, with JDRF, uh, uh, have you done any more work with them, uh, uh, recently with, the juvenile diabetes? Uh, this year, this year I just had the one boiler battalion game, but the summer prior to that, we did, uh, the diabetes walk. Mm -hmm. So we had, I had my own team for that. And then this year it was just the, the one game, but obviously I was planning on coming out to your camp and helping out with that this year. And kind of just the state of the world right now has stopped stopped that from going on. But yeah, we're gonna work on something to make sure that we we do something uh, something for the kids uh, for sure. Um, so, so what does it feel like to be so? You know, you were diagnosed at fourteen. You know, you're working through. How, how does it feel to you know mentor other kids? I know, I know, we got one that that idolizes you already. So. Um, uh, from the camp last year so uh, how's it how's it make you feel to be a mentor to, to all these all these kids uh it's it's a cool feeling i mean having kids look up to you and knowing that you can have an influence or impact on the way they see things or the way they uh treat their diabetes and stuff like that is is definitely cool i mean i just try try my best to basically just be a, they're all little friends of mine, I guess is the way I would say it is just right. talk to them. No different than any other conversation. Just if they're having problems, they know they can talk to me about it and kind of have my perspective from another diabetic. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that's good with young kids and that, and that's a good approach is, is normalizing it is letting letting you know letting them know that you're there and that you're going through it and you're achieving things and then they can go okay obviously you need to pay attention it's a full-time job but you don't need to be angst about the what ifs or what if i can't do this because of this condition or disease that i have and yeah dude it's it's good work honestly good work for what you're doing it's good okay Explicit. It's good shit, buddy. It's really good shit. It's really good shit. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, you know, right, right off the top, when you said, uh, you know, you, you didn't know if you'd be able to play hockey anymore. Um, I think that's pretty much, you know, not, not just hockey. That goes with anything. Um, uh, if you're into something, you you wake up, uh, you know, you find out you're type one diabetic. You know, you don't you don't know if you're gonna be able to do the, the same things that you were doing prior right uh, the the knowing the, the before 
right and not knowing what the after holds and uh, you know that, that's kind of what we're doing here is we, we you know we, we got that big support um you know i was talking to a mom uh online the other day that uh you know you know her son was just diagnosed uh very recently during the during the covid uh, 19 or just prior to the covid 19 so there's you know she she's looking for support uh out there right um uh, you know whether it be mental health or, or or anything because you know right now with everything being a standstill you know nobody knows where to find that support or nobody's nobody's talking about it right so you know at least now you know we, you know we're getting the word out we got the you know we got this going on you know we got our, our social media pages so um you know we're like i said we're we're getting the word out and 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 helping a lot of a lot of people along the way um yeah so that i think that pretty much wraps up everything brody uh uh no i, I for me, I just, like I said, man, it is, is people like us that are in this position that, that it's, I'm proud that you can acknowledge that you're in a position to influence kids, right? Because I know when I was 19, my communication with the diabetes, I wish I was like you when I was 19, right? And, and that I spoke up more when I was in university and, and, when I was going on and trying these things within the sport to also be a role model and role model and a mentor as a type one diabetic during that time. But now I can go back and share my experience and still help, but you're in a position to, to influence a lot of good people and or kids that need it. And well done, man. Thank you. Yeah. Well done. Uh, so that's uh, that's this week's episode. I'd like to thank Brandon Boyle, and Prince George. Cooper. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Anytime we can always have this chat. Uh, and tune in next week uh, or next time. Sorry for uh, uh, for episode three. Um, hopefully, it won't be as long um, <laughs> as long as this one. But uh, uh, we thank you for tuning in and uh, uh, have a good time. Thanks. Cheers.